In today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we explore a spooky song about defrauding the IRS. Rockwell makes Bill and I come to terms with our own experience of nepotism in the workplace. And Kevin Costner finally finds the man who has a worse English accent than he does. This is our take on Rockwell's Somebody's Watching Me on Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. So as we're entering into the spooky time of year, Bill, what are you afraid of or what are you fearful of? Well, I know you're thinking I'd say zombies, but I'm afraid I might become a zombie and be spending too much time on my phone instead of precious present time with my son. It's not what I was looking for at all. No, I, I, I wanted something spookier, okay, but uh, no, that's fine. That's okay. Oh, I got a good one then. Okay. Something super spooky. Yeah. I have to go to the bathroom and I go to a public bathroom and it's full of people and there's a lineup at every stall and urinal. I would rather be in a public bathroom with like one zombie using the stall so I'd have my own space than have to be around a bunch of people. I, I like might that. be the zombie. I like that in this scenario, the zombies are domesticated and using bathrooms. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get past this judgment of zombies. Yeah, zombies were people too, right? Frank, what part of life brings you horror? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Well, I asked you the question because I didn't want to admit to anything myself here. So <sighs> probably being alone for the rest of my life. You're not alone if someone's watching you. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Great segue into Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell. So, Rockwell. I learned a lot in the last couple of days about Rockwell. Yeah, not his real name. No, not at all. I heard two versions of the story about okay. why he's called Rockwell. But before we get to his nickname or his stage name, mm -hmm. we need to talk about whether or not he wants us to talk about it. His lineage? Lineage. Rockwell, his real name is Kennedy William Gordy. Gordy being related to Barry Gordy, the CEO, owner of Motown Records. Right. So no matter what, we're always going to have the little asterisks there, and there will always be questions. Yeah, absolutely. But the story of how Rockwell got his start is actually, he kind of put aside the whole nepotism thing and tried to make it out on his own. Yeah. So he ended up being signed under the name Rockwell, instead of Gordy. But from what I gather with the story about how he got his name, it wasn't him that came up with the name, but the people around, like... Yeah. But the people around would know who his dad is. Yeah. So no matter what, he was signed with people knowing who his dad was. Yeah, exactly. He's also signed to Motown Records. Yeah, the label his father owns. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, one version of the story, the one on Wikipedia, I think, is that they were looking at a Norman Rockwell painting yeah. and said, Rockwell, that's a good name. Yeah. And then the other story I heard was that they said, well, he can rock and he can rock well. Well, I heard a, a mix of that. Right. It was the Norman Rockwell painting. And then Rockwell said, yeah, 
I rock well. And that's how it came about. And they all laughed. And they all laughed. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> but were they laughing? Kennedy, you're so funny. <laughs> you are. Were they laughing because of who his dad was? Oh, probably. Yeah. Now, full disclosure, I just so happened to have got my first job teaching at the same school that my father was working at, possibly also in his department. That's funny because my first real proper job out of university as well was working for the same company that my dad was at as well. Right. I remember my principal saying to me once that my dad was an incredible teacher. And then he said, you, you're, 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 uh, yeah, uh, uh, adequate. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's exactly what you want to be described as as adequate. So Rockwell, I know how it feels. I should have changed my name to Mathwell. Mathwell, because you do math well. Yeah. Same thing with me. I remember when I was interviewing, one of the owners of the company who was interviewing me, he said like, we're not interviewing you just because you're Frank's son. We're interviewing you separately from that. And I believed it at the time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm here on my own laurels. I went to the university. I got the degree. Did you ever find that when they use the word Frank, you weren't sure if they're talking about your dad or you? Oh, yeah, constantly. Yeah. It was always embarrassing in the office when they called me Little Frankie. I was called Hauser Jr. Oh, were you? (laughs) But you know who doesn't do that now? Our friends in podcast land, because our dads don't know how to podcast. Exactly. I don't think my dad's even listened to this podcast. My dad's listening now. Hi, Dad. Hi, Harry. There's a couple stories to tell about Rockwell. Yeah. But we can also say that we feel your pain here, living in your dad's shadow. That's right. That's right. Interesting story found out yesterday that Rockwell had an equally famous friend in high school. Oh, yeah? With the name Lenny Kravitz. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So these regular normal people, just to quote the first four words of his song or five words there, I'm just an average man. Like, well, I don't know Rockwell. What do you think average is? Like, I didn't hang with Lenny Kravitz when I was in high school. I didn't know Michael Jackson growing up. No. And he says we were friends. He had said at one point, I know I'm just tangential, but he said at one point in an interview, you know, Michael Jackson's interested in what I'm doing and I'm, you know, interested in what he's doing. (laughs) Like, I love when people (laughs) do that where they're just at this, well, we're at the same level. Yeah. It's just funny to see that at that period of time, Rockwell was understanding himself and Michael Jackson as... Yeah, as peers. Peers. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess they kind of were. I mean, no one else got Michael Jackson to sing on their song. So he brings the song... When he's in high school, a version of it to Lenny Kravitz. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't hear this story. Let me read it. It's from Lenny Kravitz' memoir written in 2020, which I bet would be fantastic. He says, Gordy came over to my mom's house with the first Lindrum machine, which was really big and heavy, and he had some sort of Roland keyboard. He's like, I got this tune for you, and I think that you're really going to dig this. And he sings me the song, and he gets to the hook. And I'm like, wow, that's good. I was like, it's really good. But it's you. You should do this, man. At that time, he wasn't thinking about himself as being an artist. Maybe he was thinking more about being a producer and a writer. But he offered me the song. And next thing you know, the months go by. And I was like, holy crap. I hear the song on the radio. And the rest is history. Previous to this song coming out and previous to him getting a record deal, he would bring his songs and ideas to Barry Gordy. And Barry would be just like, yeah, 
I don't see anything in it. You know, maybe songwriting, maybe being an artist isn't your thing. Basically poo-pooing all over his dreams. Right. Like pulling down his um, gold-plated diaper pants and (laughs) poo-pooing. That's the worst term ever. I hate that term. Take it back. This is what brings me horror. I've seen Bill get mad at me on the podcast. I can't take that image. You got to say something else. So there's this immediate sense of sadness about the father-son relationship. Yeah. That a father would say that to his kid. Yeah. Who's most likely 17 or 18 at this point. Yeah. Or earlier. Yeah. Because, yeah, it would have been 17 or 18. Yeah. Because this song came out in 84 when Rockwell was 20. So this is a couple years previous to that. Because in my case this morning, Elijah sang a song he said he made up. And, well, it was missing some things like a bridge, a consistent thematic structure. Words. Yeah. But you know what? I still said I liked it. I did. Come on, Barry, why didn't you like your son's music? What the heck? Yeah. Is it your history of number one gold records that put blinders on you so you couldn't see Rockwell for what he is, a novelty horror artist? When the song makes it big, Barry Gordy then was proud of his son? Yeah. That's super depressing too because he had to prove himself. Okay, what I don't get, we're doing this song. It has a certain place in history. Bill and I are still unsure whether we like this song or not. We're, I think we're trying to convince ourselves a bit. Well, you know what? We always listen to it around Halloween. Yeah. And so I would listen to it for like two or three days. Like, oh man, this is great. Michael Jackson's singing. This is great. And I enjoyed it. But then in preparation for this episode, you and I are probably listening to it every single day. Yeah. And it wasn't growing. And no, then I read... It was diminishing. Yeah. And then I read some things about Rockwell recently. Yeah. And it was tough because there's been some abusive things he's done. Yeah, so he has a yeah he has a bit of a history, unfortunately. He's, yeah, so he was planning to make a comeback, but it sounds like he's not in a good place, and so there's a sadness underneath it. So I'm not sure how I feel about the song anymore. So getting getting back to his relationship with his father. So Rockwell gets signed and Barry Gordy finds out about this. Like this is his kid. Just like whoa, you got signed to. Motown? Like, seriously? Kind of a thing? And then Barry Gordy heard the song. And this is what I don't get necessarily. Like I said, Bill and I are still not sure about the song. But Barry Gordy said, like, no, this is a great song. This is going to be a hit. And he was right. Yeah, it was a hit. But thinking about the Motown history, and I'm just, it's so hard to think about this song when you're thinking about all the other songs through history, through the the 60s and 70s, the great stuff that Motown put out with the Temptations, Four Tops, uh, Marvin Gaye, like those fantastic artists, and Rockwell. It just, it doesn't jive for me. Yeah. So here we are. We're doing this, I mean, largely because we're going to release this around Halloween. Yeah. And this is always going to be on a Halloween oh, mix. Yeah. And because it, it sounds spooky. And it is spooky. Yeah. And the whole album is spooky. Yeah. I worked through it and, you know, he keeps it consistent. Yeah. So it's his debut album. And I mean, this is also the tough part. It's his debut album, debut single. It does huge. It goes number one R&B, number two Billboard, number two Canada. Yeah. Which is the most important metric. Well, to us, yeah. Yeah. But this is going to be his high point, And from there, it kind of drops off. Yeah. But we're here to celebrate that high point. Yeah. Before this song makes it, I guess there's a whole bunch of things to talk about. I want to jump into the song, but I realize we haven't talked about some key things. Yeah. One is, he doesn't just bring it to Lenny Kravitz. He brings it to Michael Jackson. Yeah. 
But like Lenny Kravitz, he goes to Michael Jackson's mom's house. (laughs) And at the time, unlike Michael Jackson and Lenny Kravitz, he was living with his girlfriend. Yeah, because he was estranged from his his father at the time. Right. So he's 18, living on his own. Mm -hmm. And that's where he got the whole shower thing from, right? Yeah. The 80s were a different time. You could live on your own when you're 18. Now you just can't. Well, you can't afford the rent. No, no, not at all. And so, um, anyways, he goes to Michael Jackson's house and he plays the song for Michael Jackson. He claims Michael Jackson kept calling all the brothers and sisters down to hear it. Yeah. And have him keep uh, performing it. Yeah. And then Michael Jackson asked him who's going to be singing the background vocals. Yeah. That big hook in the chorus. The hook. The, the hook, hook. Yeah. The song is oh, the hook. Yeah. Without that hook, that's the song's yeah. really not there. So Michael Jackson offers his services and they didn't credit him on the album i wow. don't believe i wouldn't be surprised if that would be michael jackson demanding that for his you know the michael jackson they also it called it a worst kept secret in the music industry that it was michael jackson yeah oh yeah, yeah. goodness everyone knew it was michael well everyone jackson. thinks it's a michael jackson song yeah exactly right i think it might even be included on compilation albums right <laughs> like it's a Michael Jackson song for yeah. us. And I think we picked it because it's Michael Jackson <laughs> singing. I thought we picked it King. because it was spooky. Yeah. Well, we didn't do Thriller, I guess. I thought Thriller was a Vincent Price song. <laughs> exactly. And then Michael Jackson offered his service. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so Jermaine Jackson also sang background yeah. vocals. I can't tell where he is in there. Yeah. Sorry, Jermaine. Because he was married to Rockwell's sister. Right, Hazel. Yes. Okay, these are all the things that came up. So as much as Rockwell wanted to get away from the nepotism, he used his connections, obviously, to get the song as popular as it is. And nothing's ever done in a vacuum. Oh, anyways, right? So come on, Rockwell, you gotta let that stuff go. Except cleaning. Cleaning's done with a vacuum. But not in a vacuum. No. Yeah. There's one more thing Rockwell did. To kind of guarantee the success, at least in the Rolling Stone article. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's right. In rock and roll, there's often the story of making the deal with the devil, right? Yeah. Meet him at the crossroads, he teaches you to play guitar, and he's going to take something from you later. But in this case, to quote Kate Bush, he made a deal with God. (laughs) Yes. And he prayed if this song, I don't know if the song went to number one, if that was the conditions, or it was a hit. I like the the condition. God, if you make this song go to number one. I'm going to tell the world all about you. Yeah. I think it was just for it to be a hit. But yeah, but I didn't see anything that I could find online about Rockwell talking about what, his in his deal- words, Father God did for him. Yeah, until... The Rolling Stone article. Yeah, the Rolling Stone article, which came out like uh, 2017, something yeah. like that. Yeah, so there's a, there's a problem here. It's like, I don't think he upheld his deal with God. Yeah. And uh, well, not until you know 30 years later, yeah. And still, it was like, listen, that was you're kind of missing things here. You didn't tell me enough. Like, what, what do you want to tell me about God? Yeah, I want him to tell me, Frank, all his thoughts on God. Easy, Joan Osborne. No, that's Dishwalla. Yeah, I'll do a Joan Osborne reference if that makes you feel uh, happy. I don't think you need to because if it makes you happy, Frank, it can't be that bad. Okay, all right, enough of that. Joan Osborne again, eh, yeah, Bill? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was show crow. I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. But you know who did give the old God shout out Who's was that? Toby Mac. Oh, yeah. Despite he... my desire to mock Christian rock, I have a uh, not just a soft spot, but a real maybe deep interest 
Ash and I saw Toby Mac concert, and one yeah, of us really enjoyed it. <laughs> so he did one called, um, I think, Watching Me. Yeah, but it was about God watching, yeah. watching over him, right? And, yeah. you know, Toby Mac, um, you know, he, he gave credit. It it really did flip things around because it didn't feel so paranoid. Or creepy. No, it felt very comfortable. He might rock well, but he doesn't pray well, am I right? Sometimes I feel God in the midst of a show as the palm trees sway at an afterglow. So a prayer to Father God leads to a song that fits within the sort of horror genre. Novelty horror genre. Yeah. Kind of odd. Yeah. So the song begins with spooky sounds? Yeah, it's that really eerie kind of keyboard synth sound, right? Yeah. You get that you got that computer who's watching. Yeah. Computer voice saying that, and then you have those sounds coming in. Yeah. And it does feel like it's something you could have programmed on those early Lin machines that they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, or the Korgs or Rollins or right. whatever the whatever the programmable synths were that they were using at the time. Yeah, so there's definitely a sense that he might have put this all together pretty early. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so you have that, you have the setup, and it has a spooky feel. And when you're a kid, and this is about being a kid, I think as we're getting older... We might have a different relationship with this whole thing. But when we were a kid, it was like, well, this is awesome. Yeah. And ghost stories are kind of awesome as a kid because they weren't quite scary enough yet. Yeah. like There wasn't like crazy horror that we ended up finding. Like even when we were kids, we didn't watch Jason and Freddy movies. Did we? I did. did. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. But like the horror films that were out at the time or even prior to this, like you had some really awesome stuff like the exorcist like really creepy creepy stuff yeah but i think we're getting into kind of the the slasher genre at this right point. okay right 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 i gotcha and we're so young at the time that to me the scariest thing i'd be watching would be the legend of sleepy hollow okay but, but what would they call it they called it like the tale of ichabod yeah the ichabod crane yeah yeah it's great i showed it to my class a the, few the years ago one right yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. mean it was a math class, so I don't know if I used the port. <laughs> that was a great idea. Yeah. Uh, but that was, was scary. Was it Halloween or was it like end of the year when you just sort of mailed it in? No, it was Halloween. Oh, okay. So that was an early mail in. Yeah. It was COVID. I was depressed. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you okay, Bill? No, do, we, do we need to talk? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. We got to talk about this first verse. Yeah. I can't say it in his voice. Oh, yeah. I'm just an average man. With an average life. That's my Rockwell yeah. impersonation. Yeah. Was that good? Yeah, well, if he was an 85-year-old. Uh, yeah. I work from 9 to 5. Hey, hell, I pay the price. All I want is to be left alone in my... I don't. I can't do his yeah, voice in my average home. But why do I always feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone? I'm just an average man 
All right, question for you, Frank. Is this the worst English accent attempt done by an American? His speaking voice, yeah, is terrible. Yeah. Okay, Bill is pointing to the picture of Kevin Costner in the Winchester right now. And no, this is when I get angry at you. This is a Kevin Costner safe zone where we celebrate him. We do not ridicule him. By God, we take it back. One of the great lines when he's just like, you know what? This English accent isn't working for me. (laughs) Robin Hood needs an American twang. Uh, Yeah. He was just appealing to middle America. That's where the money came from. To be fair, it is fine. Rockwell's English accent is the worst English accent I've ever heard. That includes Will Ferrell's weird attempts at it. I feel like Will Ferrell is trying to imitate Rockwell. (laughs) It is so bizarre. It's crazy. So he tries to hide the fact that he's Barry Gordy's son by making up this English accent that makes him sound like he's a rich English boy. Yeah. But no one knows he's Barry Gordy's son because I don't know who Barry Gordy is when I'm that age. Barry Gordy's a behind-the-scenes guy. So just call yourself Rockwell and no one's going to know. Yeah, and he kept saying he was from like Portsmouth, England or something like that. Yeah, is that that like a joke? I don't even get it. I don't know. Well, I think he was just really sort of engaged with the story. Yeah, and I heard an interview with him where he ends by trying to do this English accent. But then I also realized he's like 19 years old. Yeah. He's a kid. He's a kid. So... I think we can allow him a little bit of grace. Yeah. But it still doesn't make the accent any better. No. We head up the chorus. And the chorus, of course, is the whole key. This well, chorus is what we all came here for. Before we jump into the chorus, though, the when he opens up with, I'm just an average man with an average life. When I heard it, when I started listening to it to research for the episode uh, last week, it sounds so much like the talking heads once in a lifetime. Yeah, good call. Yeah, so I'm done here. I had my one good uh, good comment. And then he goes, Sheena Easton. <laughs> I work from nine to five. Oh, the, well, the, he changes his accent about like 12 times in this song. It goes all over oh, the place. Oh my goodness. And then he says, all I want is to be left alone in my average home. Like that's three averages. Yeah. He could have said mean, I guess, but then we don't know. <laughs> Just a shout out to my math friends out there. All all the math nerds that listen to this podcast are just, they're like, oh, he said it. All I want is to be left alone. But why do I feel like I'm in the twilight zone? Like, if you want to be left alone, your mind's going to start playing tricks on you, man. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be scared. Let's talk Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Now, we have never done a Michael Jackson song. We've talked about Man in the Mirror and my um, reluctancy to talk about Man in the Mirror. It's fitting as Michael Jackson. And this is Michael Jackson starting to get, like, I don't know if we can say this or how to say this, but Michael Jackson getting weird. That's not really fair. I feel Michael Jackson is always kind of strange. But the idea of being watched, right? I always feel like someone's watching me because Michael Jackson is the most, like, famous person in the world to us, I think. Yeah, because 84, that's when Thriller came out as well, the album. 82. 82, sorry. Right, but but by 84, Thriller is such a juggernaut. Yeah. I think... the song Thriller is actually might be out at this time as a single because it was, like you said, it was like the fifth single or something. Yeah, the song Thriller was the last single off the album right. Thriller. And it didn't even go to number one. Yeah. Which is bonkers to me. It is crazy. And so by now, Michael Jackson is such a huge deal. And so when he sings, I always feel like someone's watching me, it feels really believable that Michael Jackson would be saying this because yeah. he is the you know, the most famous person in the world. As years have gone by, 
I found out that he would feed information to National Enquirer and things like that, like the whole thing about buying John Merrick's bones yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and sleeping in like a... A hyperbaric chamber yeah, or whatever, yeah. Those are things he kind of leaked himself. So he was, oh, really? play, he thought he was playing this some sort of game. Huh. And I feel like the reporters wanted him to quit playing games with their journalistic hearts. Yeah, the National Enquirer had a lot of journalistic integrity. Or were you going for a Backstreet Boys? I was, but I'm there? glad you <laughs> took it really seriously. The uh, But there, there's something about Michael Jackson is always kind of weird. And he played this up. Where, you know, you probably could disappear easily if you came across as boring. Yeah. Like you and me. Yeah. Not a single flash outside of these windows. No, exactly. The paparazzi hasn't been stalking my car in months. But still, Michael Jackson's voice is perfect. And then you have uh, Rockwell kind of getting his own in. And I have no privacy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because he feels someone's watching him. Yeah. And I shouldn't say that's all Michael Jackson adds to the song. It's just that one line. And he sings it over and over. I always feel like somebody's watching me. And then, like you said, it's interjected. Yeah. But it's that line and it's Michael Jackson that really makes the song. I think that's what made the song as popular oh as Oh, my it goodness. Because it's, whoa. And you're yeah. a kid. You want to say the whoa part. Exactly. Maybe it's Jermaine there. I want to give him something here. <laughs> And then you have uh, Rockwell saying, tell me, is it just a dream? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. He's getting something in there. Yeah. Apparently, Rockwell said he wrote this because this was true to his life. He said people used to look up at his apartment window. Yeah, yeah, I read that as well. Well, who's looking up? I don't even know who's looking up. Like, I and how can you is. watch someone by looking? If you are, let's say, your apartment's on, let's say, the sixth floor. Yep. And someone's on the fourth floor and looking up, what are they going to see? Well, they're only going to see part of your head because exactly. you got that angle. And that's only if you're leaning out of your window. Well, I think he's leaning out the window. It's like, look, someone's watching me. Hey, Rockwell, do you think maybe you're watching them? Oh, who watches the Watchmen? Exactly. On to verse two here, hey? Yeah. When I come home at night, I bolt the door real tight. People call me on the phone. I'm trying to avoid. Well, can the people really see me? Or am I just paranoid? Is it, but the people on TV see me. Or oh, am shoot. I just paranoid, right? You know, I had the worst possible lyrics I grabbed from Music Match. Okay. And I had to add things as I listened yeah, to it. Yeah, usually it's genius lyrics you use, right? I should have gone to genius. Yeah. Genius lyrics for all your lyric needs. How do they make money? <laughs> I mean, this is verse three, but it keeps going. Like, I don't know if this is verse four. Or this is just part of the same thing. I think it's just all part of the same thing. Ah, uh, music match. You put a space here. When I'm in the shower, I'm afraid to wash my hair. I don't, I, I don't even know how to. I can't do the accent. No. I don't. I can't do this to my, my I don't relatives. think he can really do the accent That's either. fair enough. Because when I open my eyes, I might find someone standing there. So that comes from a real life experience. So his girlfriend that he was living with, that was the prank he would play on her was when she'd be in the shower washing her hair, he would wait. So he must have been like creeping around the corner. So she's lathering up her hair. She has her eyes closed. And then he would scurry into the bathroom and press his face up against the glass. So when she opened her eyes, there'd just be... Well, Rockwell creepily looking at her. And that was the inspiration for that line in the song. 
It's so weird. There's a whole inner life of Rockwell. I don't know even know if I want to know. The song is autobiographical, apparently. Yeah, except he's the one watching. I know. <laughs> What's the next line there? Uh, people say I'm crazy, just a little touched, but maybe showers remind me of Psycho too much. I don't know. I'm not sure about that lyrically. I mean, I'm not a songwriter. I know you are, but I feel that that's not really working. No, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the video, but the the shower makes a pretty prominent place in the video Oh my goodness, yeah. Possibly too much. Yeah. And then, of course, we go back to Michael Jackson to bring us home here. He wants to know who's playing tricks on him instead of asking about his own dream. And then it goes to that instrumental break. Possibly a bridge? I think it's a bridge because, well, it's the instrumental part and then it rolls into another, well, a lyrical bridge. Mm Mm-hmm. He asks some big questions. Okay, so you got the instrumental break, which is pretty cool. It's yeah. got the Halloween vibe. It's perfect for a Halloween dance, yeah. right? Which is where this song belongs. And the spookiness is, and he talks about it in the lyrics, it kind of gives you that sense of paranoia. Yeah, definitely. The whole yeah. time. Yeah, and it does a good job. I don't want to take that away from No, him. no, no, exactly. He does create a vibe. Yeah, and that is what this is all about. Yeah, exactly. Okay, here we go. Maybe this is a bridge. Are the neighbors watching me? Well, is the mailman watching me? I like that you say, I can't do the accent, but you still sing it. I think I'm doing pretty good. I think you're doing okay. I don't feel safe anymore. Oh, what a mess. I wonder who's watching me now. Now, only rich people would ever say this, by the way. I wonder who's watching me now. Who? The IRS. Well, no, Bill, I don't think you understand that financial malfeasance is a very, very scary thing. You've been waiting all afternoon for this yeah. line, yes. But I love the idea. That the, if Who's going to be terrified of the IRS unless you have something? People who have conducted financial malfeasance. That's right. So Rockwell. Yeah. <laughs> so, a malfeasance. A malfeasant. Malfeasant. And then Michael Jackson comes to the rescue. Yeah, exactly, right? I think so. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel like Wesley Snipes could be singing that. He went to jail, right? Well, yeah, yeah. So yeah. did... Uh, well, Shakira's right now being sued by right? uh, for tax evasion a second time in Spain. Lauren Hill went to jail. That's right. Or house arrest. Yeah. Now, I feel like by this point, we're getting close to the 323 mark. And then I have written too long. Yeah. Right? So 
The song is 337 if it's a single version, which in my mind is just about right. Yeah. But in the album version, which is what you're going to hear on Spotify, yeah, it goes. It's five minutes long. It's long. It just keeps going. And I mean, you get a lot of Michael Jackson, which is good. Yeah. But that's kind of it. I yeah. mean, well, in the outro, yeah, he's all the Michael Jackson, and it's kind of that call and response thing. Michael Jackson, I always feel like somebody's watching me once or twice in a row, and then uh, Rockwell will come in with with his little quips. Yeah. And the one that I like the most is. I can't enjoy my tea because he has that fake accent. Oh, so he's man. really leaning into hard into that uh, English character. That must be. The- <laughs> That's got to be the only reason. I don't get it. One, I'm well, now I'm talking about English people, and I know <laughs> this is someone who would go to my grandmother's house and she'd have they'd have tea time. Yeah. Right now, I'm like, well, I guess I'd have a coffee because it's gonna boost me into the rest of my day but the idea of tea time is so yeah. foreign to me now in australia they didn't have tea time necessarily but marmite time wasn't it oh that stuff's terrible but it's australian right a vegemite or marmite vegemite or and they just give is. you yeah. spoonfuls yeah. of vegemite oh it's yeah they yeah. sing you're the voice to you while they spoon spoon you I veg- vegemite i wish but yeah they would always have their their tea time or coffee time or there would always be desserts and cakes and stuff like that and i'm surprised it didn't balloon up when you describe it like that i think i could go for that oh yeah yeah i mean i loved it because maybe it would be maybe we should be doing tea time but poor rockwell can't have his tea no in portsmouth england yeah And then he asks questions like, can I have my privacy? Who's watching me? Stop playing tricks on me. Yeah. And he keeps going on and on, but it's long. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long song. Too long. Too long. Too long. Now, most of the world, though, probably didn't buy the album. No offense, Rockwell. I mean, I listened to the whole album. Yeah. And uh, it's it's fascinating. There's more to say about this, but do you know what the second single is called? Obscene Caller? Yeah, which is the second song on the album, too. Yeah. And it's not too far removed from this. Yeah, it has too. the same vibes, right? Yeah. Who is this? But it's also so strange. It's like, what What do you mean there's an obscene caller calling you Rockwell? And it is also kind of a novelty song, mm-hmm. like this song is, right? He does a cover of the Beatles' Taxman. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. And because it sounds creepy, and it's like, wow. Because he's talking again about financial malfeasance. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And it's really creepy. He's terrified. Nothing scares these LA rich kids more than the IRS. <laughs> Frank, you watched the video. Yeah, too many times, which is like, which is more than once. For a song that's so cool, this video is so not to me. I don't like it. The video is so cheap and it's all over the place. And I get it. They're trying to create this like paranoia, creepy vibe and everything. But there's really not a whole lot of cohesion to it other than Rockwell's paranoid and terrified the entire time. He gave the director like notes yeah 
And he said director just ignored, ignored them. Yeah, because he wanted something light and funny. Uh, yeah, which is not what this is. Yeah. Do you have well, on... Well, it's light and funny because it's so bad. Yeah. Do you have on your Wikipedia page there the video listed in the director? Yeah. Does the, it have do- a hyperlink on the director's name? I can look it up. Yeah, I want you to look it up. I want you to look at his filmography. Filmography. Here we go. You don't need to read oh them my out loud. F- <laughs> you don't need to read them out loud. <laughs> so, jeez. I know you're not going to read those out loud, but once you see what he directed before this video, it yeah. might help make the video more understandable. Yeah, he kind of went the path of the left hand. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I think I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that wasn't uh, a, a world of uh, in the world of who Rockwell prayed to for the song's success. Yeah, yeah. So you have a guy coming out of the pornographic film industry, especially pornographic horror thriller film industry uh, to some degree. Yeah. And so it would make more sense that he's going to lean in to certain types of elements and weird things that feel especially weird watching them as like an MTV video. Do you know what else he did the video for? We built the city. Yeah. And Sarah and Tomorrow Doesn't Matter Tonight for Starship. And Sarah's a great video. Yeah. He also does a Weird Al Yankovic video. Yeah, Is that right? I Lost on Jeopardy. Oh, that's another great song. Yeah. But that's like, this song feels like it could be a Weird Al song. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, so give me a rundown. I, I've blocked a lot of the video out just for my own mental health. The video is kind of first person, but then there are shots of Rockwell himself. So it's from Rockwell's perspective, and it's running all around the house in a frantic manner, which kind of works with it. Yep. But he's seeing all these weird things. At one point, there's a dog in his house, an English Mastiff. I know this because my neighbors have an English Mastiff, and that dog looks exactly like Clea, my neighbor's next door dog. And he barks in an English accent. Yeah, exactly. But at one point, there's the dog wearing a pig mask. Wow, that's Uh, like Shining stuff. Yeah. He watches TV and he sees himself being interrogated or tortured in a chair. Then, but that's clothes off in that scene. Yeah. Well, he's, and then that's the line Are the people on TV watching me? And then everyone on the TV looks out at him. And then there's the shot of Rockwell's face and he's like, ah, and he runs away. There's all sorts of weird stuff. There are seven different times that it goes back to the shower. Yeah, the shower is his focal point, which yeah. is very odd. Yeah. And um, it ends up with the mailman, who's also, I mean, I guess the director just read the lyrics, right? Because yeah. is the mailman watching me? Yeah. Like, well, Rockwell, the mailman's coming to see you. Like, what do you mean? What does that even mean? Yeah. Frank, when you're taking a shower... And you see the mailman coming. Do you make a point of not getting changed so you can run out to the window because you're really excited about the mail that's going to be put in your mailbox anyways? No, usually if the mail carrier is, is coming to my door, I usually do my best not to acknowledge them at all. Right, right, right. The mailman is out there with like a package for him. Yeah. But we see he's got this like... Like tentacle arm. Yeah. And so Rockwell looks down and sees a monster, but then shakes his head and sees the mailman. Yeah, who looks like a poor man's John Travolta. Right. And then the mailman reaches with that tentacle arm at the end, but they pause it. Yeah. In the same way they kind of pause Thriller, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was in this genre, but it just was like... It's so bad. It's so underwhelming for how good the song was in terms of what you could do with this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What would a better video look like? You ever thought about this? Anything but that one, I think. I mean, you could 
really lean into the paranoia, but it needs to be in the dark. Yeah. You need to see eyes in the dark and maybe someone walking down the street. Like you could do something with that Mm -hmm. to build on the paranoia, but it's a little too bright in the video. Well, I think about the Ray Parker Jr. video for Ghostbusters. Yeah. That, That one has more sexy ghosts in it than anything. Yeah. But still, it's darker. It's moodier. You need like a Jim Steinman video. Yeah. Uh, w- wait, I don't, I can't believe I just said yeah to that. Are you like a the real Jim Steinman or like Jim Steinman's song, like a meatloaf? Well. Not like the Jim Steinman directed one. No, 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 no. Pandora's no, 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 box. But, okay. But you need something moody. Yeah, we need more moodiness. And a sexy ghost here or there or a sexy Dracula is not going to ruin it either. No, no. But this mailman, I'm not so yeah. sure about. Exactly. It's the middle of the day. Yeah. This is when you're singing a song about paranoia and people watching you, you want people in the bushes in the dark. Yeah. That's when I watch people. <laughs> you know this well. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not scary during the day. Yeah. Unless you're trying to play against type. That's not working in this. This is all with type. Yeah. It's type. But I wonder, too, we're in the 1980s. We're in the middle of Reaganomics. We're seven, and we have strong opinions about Reagan. Yeah, exactly. And the Cold War is happening and everything. So there's all this spy sort of stuff. And like, okay, who's watching me? That was a different time when we didn't know if people were watching us. Now we've come to accept that, you know, the internet and the Google is watching us all the time. It's spying on us constantly. we totally don't care. And we've come to accept it, and it's okay. Okay, I got a question for you on this. Somebody's watching me. Do you think communists were watching him? I don't think they had any technology that worked. <laughs> so, but uh, did do you ever just give up when the um, phone just puts on? Do you want this app to track your movement? Like, oh, whatever. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. I'm just like, like, I don't what are you going to even I, notice? I, yeah. Someone has all my banking information. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Like, what are you going to do? Steal my debt? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. I shouldn't laugh at that. I got All right, question for you, Frank. Yes. Michael Bolton. Yeah. He Could he sing this song? No. With an English accent. First of all, the only person that could do a better English accent than Michael Bolton, in my mind, mm-hmm. would be anyone from England. Yep. <laughs> okay. And Kevin Costner. Okay. All right, I'll throw a curveball at you. How about if David Hasselhoff does this in a German accent? <laughs> okay, there's, okay, there's I, possibilities. I, I'd listen to that. But Michael Bolton... Would not sing the song out of principle. I think he has too much integrity to do a novelty song. Do you think he would do the Michael Jackson part? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Okay, let's say he does the Michael Jackson part. Mm -hmm. And then who would be doing the Rockwell part? Okay, so I'm thinking of artists in and around that era, not Mm -hmm. contemporary. Thomas Dolby. She blinded me with science. I think he would be very similar. Vocal stylings. Not Thomas Trent Darby. No, you're thinking Terrence Trent Darby. Not Terrence. Okay. I said Thomas Dolby. Sorry, did I say Darby? I meant Dolby. I heard Darby. Okay. But I was thinking of uh, Terrence Trent. Wishing well, kiss and tell. Yeah. It's tough to think of people who would do this. Yeah. Uh, I can think of people who do the Michael Jackson part, but not the Rockwell part. Yeah. Not to say that it's like it's going to be the end of a career ender thing. Yeah. No, no, no. Or Weird Al, because this sounds like it could be a Weird Al song. It could be. I think it could be super funny yeah. if it was done 
in a way that didn't take itself seriously. I do feel this takes itself seriously, which is also kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing I was thinking about. If it had been sung by a woman instead of a man, it would totally shift things to me. Because when a man says, oh, I feel someone's watching me, it feels silly. Yeah. But we know enough people where it's like, this isn't, this is something men can joke about, but yeah. for women, it's well, a for whole, women, yeah, no, 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 not, no, 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 no. Not it's funny much more serious. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so every part of that suddenly becomes much different. Yeah. From the poor girlfriend of Rockwell to yeah. like everybody where it's, someone sings this from a female perspective, it shifts everything. Yeah. Yeah, but there, there is something to it. Like, yeah, I, so, oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and so um, I'll say this much: it's easier for a man to sing about this thing. Yeah, and to, to be trivial. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay, you've been thinking about this Hallmark movie. So this would be like a Hallmark horror movie. Yeah. Okay. It would set it itself up as a bit spooky, but would devolve into like this crazy mad camp sort of misunderstanding of this guy or girl who's always watching his or her object of affection right at the end they end up getting married in vermont but in in netherworld's version of vermont yeah upside down world vermont yeah Yeah. but at the same time it's always wrong place wrong time misunderstanding seems creepy but is really sort of kind of sweet at the same time. Does that make sense? It does. It right. does. So As, it's not really a horror. It's more like a just a, well, it's a Hallmark movie, so it's a bad idea. Right. If you're to play this on a Halloween party dance mix, yes. towards the beginning or towards the end? I think towards the end, so no one actually starts thinking about the lyrics. Right, right, right. I, I, I like it earlier if you have the single version. Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah. I guess if you have the long versions towards the end, yeah. When they're dancing hip to hip. Yeah. You got a mixtape? I kind of do, but I want you to go first so okay. I can, uh, you can cut mine back a Distill bit. yours? Yeah. My mixtape is songs that sound spooky. And this is something that I, when I was researching this, people don't really make spooky songs anymore. It's all older songs. Okay. Sorry. It's not all older songs, but the majority of them are from the 70s and 80s. Season of the Witch by Donovan. Yeah. Black Magic Woman by Santana. Oh, yeah. Abracadabra, Steve Miller Band. Yeah. A bit of a newer one, Disturbia by Rihanna. Love that song. Don't Fear the Reaper, Blue Oyster Cult. My Body's a Zombie for You by Dead Man's Bones. And that's Ryan Gosling's band. Yeah, that's a great. That's great. That album is so good. If you get a chance to listen to his band, Dead Man's Bones, I think they only have the one album, but they're all songs about ghosts and zombies, and it's just spooky stuff. It's really, really good. And then we finish it off with the Eurythmics, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. Oh, that's very good. And just to tangentially here, our friend, Rich Terfry, remember one time when he was announcing this on CBC Music, he comes in, and this is exactly right, because this is how I think about it. He's like, hey, this song gave me the creeps when I was a kid. This is the Eurythmics, Sweet Dreams. <laughs> and it's like, absolutely. This song it was ah, just creepy to that me. That song was creepy. Yeah. Why didn't we do that song today? Oh, we should have. <laughs> okay. All right, see you tomorrow. Okay, exactly. All right, my mix was about someone watching you. Okay. So... I open it with Ella Fitzgerald's Someone to Watch Over Me. Also a, I believe, I think it might have been Steve Gutenberg movie. Oh, okay. Or Tom Berenger. Eh, yeah. The same person. Interchangeable. Yeah. 
every breath you take by the police. Okay. Who can it be now? Men at work? Yep. You're going to love this one. I'd really love to see you tonight. England Dan and John Ford Collie. <laughs> That's fantastic. I know you've been thinking about this song for a while. Oh, yes, please. I was going to go with you too, but I changed my mind. I'm going with Peggy March from the 50s, I think. Maybe the 60s. I will follow him. Oh, yeah. Wherever yeah, yeah. he may go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so are you too. You have an I will follow, which is really good. And Tommy Mack would love it too. But we're removing that from the playlist. And I'm ending with... In the air tonight, Phil Collins, who oh, watched okay. the guy get drowned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or wow. didn't. Or didn't. Okay. And there is my uh, mixtape. I like the English Dan and the Peggy March. That's a bit of a swerve there. Pretty creepy stuff. Yes, right? absolutely. I don't know why we're even asking this, but what part of the song brings you joy? In the outro. Oh, okay. Yeah. In the outro, when it's that call and answer, and when he leans into that English character i can't enjoy my tea that for some reason that just makes me makes me laugh mine is every time michael jackson says oh Whoa. okay yeah, yeah yeah if that's michael yeah or jermaine or Jer- one of the jacksons yeah. i can't enjoy my You want to hear what the top 10 was in Canada? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, so this is at the time it reached its peak. Miss Me Blind by the Culture Club. I don't know that one. I don't remember that one, no. I Want a New Drug. Okay, Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis, that's right. This is shocking to me. Eat It, Weird Al Yankovic was number eight in Canada. (laughs) That's awesome. Number seven, Thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. Okay. Thriller is like contemporaneous? That's not the word. Contemporary contemporaneous sure it's at the same time anyways jump by van halen okay that's number six yeah yeah against all odds phil collins number five 99 red balloons by nina yeah the 99 left balloons well they anglicized it and made it poppy instead of a a song about nuclear war right right number three footloose kenny loggins okay yeah, yeah number two somebody's watching me number one Girls just want to have fun. Ah. Cindy Lauper. So pretty big top That's 10. Pretty epic. Pretty good uh, top 10, yeah. Yeah. So it never reached number one, but in the States, I think it was kept off by Jump and maybe Footloose as Footloose, well. Footloose, yeah. So yeah, it's hard in yeah. these times. Well, we hope you enjoyed our tour through the paranoia that is Rockwell's Somebody's Watching Me. And we hope, dear listener, that wherever you are listening to this, you will feel that we are watching you. But in a good way, right? Yeah, in a fun way. In a fun, 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 fun